wild week in royal watching huh i mean what a crazy time it's wild out here but in the meantime let me just say thank you for joining i hope you guys are well of course archie's name was trending and my guy didn't even have to do anything uh that happens periodically if you know you know but if you don't i'm gonna tell you apparently more and more people thanks to one Prince William, uh, now think that it was him who made the comments about Archie's skin color. So to start the podcast, I am going to get into really the events that led up to that uh, because what a doozy, what a doozy of a story that was. And I'm grateful that more people (laughs) who don't even pay that close attention to Uh, the royal family, got to see just what we've all known for the last few years. But of course, at the top of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you to the people who have joined my Patreon. A couple of more people joined there as well as on YouTube. If you are listening to the podcast for the first time, go ahead and subscribe, girl. You can find me on all of the places uh, as well as on YouTube, where of course you can also subscribe there. Now, let's just go ahead and get into the things of the week. Now, let me tell y'all this. If it's one thing the royal family is going to do, and do usually well, but certainly without fail, they will milk a tragedy for all it's worth. I mean, they will never let a good tragedy go to waste. You hear? So we see with the war happening in Ukraine. Uh, Russia is being Russia and Ukrainians and and folks who are in Ukraine on visas are trying to flee. I have so many opinions about that. But the royals, of course, will interject. Of course, now, let's not forget they were late to actually say anything about it in general. Uh, they mocked Harry and Meghan for saying on, on their website that they stand with Ukraine. And uh, as we know, in the NAACP speech, that was the first thing that Harry led with, just to make it known, in case you didn't actually see their statement on their website. Oh, the press, you know, the royalists, they mocked them. Oh, well, Putin is shaking in his boots now. And everybody who generally pays attention to royal goings on are like, but wait, the the royal family hasn't actually said anything yet? You know, by this point, even number 10 had made a statement about the fact that it stood behind Ukraine. The royal family is very late to that. But eventually they did. A couple of days after Harry and Meghan's initial statement, uh, they, they released a very cowardly uh, statement, at, at least Will and Kate, because that was really the only one that I saw, uh, saying, you, we met the president and his wife a couple of years ago. And, you know, this is uh, this is this is not good, you know, but uh, yeah, we 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 see what's going on. Yep. (laughs) That's what that's what it seemed like to me, as opposed to calling out obvious atrocities. Right. Like making it clear that you stand with Ukraine and Ukraine only. So Camilla, we saw the, the piece about Camilla and how she made a donation 
to the Daily Mail's I guess they have a Ukraine fund. Who knows where that's going? They have so much to say about Harry and Meghan's charity um, and the capital that they raised for their charity. We really don't know what the hell y'all are doing with that money, but uh, Camilla's donating to it. And then talking about how, you know, Camilla, she was just so broken up and upset that, you know, she was just overflowing in tears about it. First of all, she doesn't strike me as that type of person, but... Um, her friends at the Daily Mail, who, by the way, Harry is now suing, um, Megan did sue and won. She always has friends over there trying to promote her and the way that she can gain positive PR from this tragedy. Fast forward to this past week where Will and Kate, and of course, according to the Daily Mail, it is now Kate who is fighting back tears as Will and Kate visit the Ukrainian Cultural Center, which, by the way, it took them long enough, right? But I'm not even going to shade Kate, really, because maybe she was holding back tears. Um, There were a few pictures where, you know, she looked as if she was really concerned about, you know, what the people were saying. And really, with Kate, you never know if she's acting or not. Um, But to be honest... I mean, I guess it would be pretty hard to hold back tears if you're speaking to someone um, about, you know, some tragedy that they just barely outran. But the girl was all smiles going in. Like, you know, one thing we know about Kate, she going to grin. She going to do that. She going to do that. I mean, maniacally. And it wasn't quite maniacal going into it with her um, Kensington Palace made brownies. But um, she was smiling. It was like somebody just told a really funny joke and... Uh, She wanted to share it with somebody, girl. I don't know. Uh, So that was a little bit weird. But it's always really weird how they, especially Kate, right? The Daily Mail makes Kate out to be like a child, you know, um, holding her hand through the decades as she uh, makes her way to wherever the fuck she's going. So largely this episode is going to be about how the invisible contract that Harry and Meghan mentioned in the Oprah interview, how that works for certain family members and how it works against uh, other family members and how that was really revealed this week. Because at the the Ukrainian Cultural Center, William also made some remarks. And let's get into them. So this engagement had limited press and Richard Palmer, or as we know him, Palm Olive, in this case, uh, was the pool reporter reporting to all of the other media what was said at said engagement. So Palmer uploads his story and it takes off immediately, immediately. And the clip that I say clip, but it's more like a screenshot uh, that just begins circulating like wildfire, was the following. William told volunteers that Britain and the rest of Europe were united behind them and spoke of the shock at seeing war on European soil. He said Britons were more used to seeing conflict in Africa and Asia. Quote, it is very alien to see this in Europe. We are all behind you, he said. But he added that he, like many, wanted to do more to help. We feel so useless, he said. 
Well, William, you feel useless because you are useless. But I digress. So that that screenshot just began just floating all around Twitter, certainly all all up and through uh, Sussex Squad and, and hashtags and things like that. So really unchecked, by the way. I mean, it really just exploded. And so the thing that struck me initially was just the sheer number of verified accounts. Um, obviously, that took issue with it because like about a week ago, right, because the Ukrainian war hasn't really been going on for that long. We were already seeing how angry people were just listening to legit journalists all over the world, right? Um, white journalists go on their news shows and say pretty much the same thing. Uh, well, you know, this is th- these are Europeans. These are uh, working people, and they um, are not used to seeing bombs dropped in their neighborhood. First of all, there has been plenty of war in Eastern Europe. And if we're talking about just Europe in general, less than 100 years ago, World War II and World War One were quite the thing, right? Um, and that, you know, people talk about, you know, it being his lifetime or he's talking about in his lifetime that, I mean, the Bosnia conflicts and all that, that was in his, that was in our lifetime. In fact, Princess Diana visited some of those areas shortly before she died. And William was a full blown teenager girl. So um, a lot of those journalists were talking about just how different Ukrainian refugees were from, you know, refugees from other places, other countries, darker refugees. Um, And then also what has pissed me off about just that, and this is even before William's comments, is the fact that European countries, it's, it's, it's a contrast, right? Because we saw the exact opposite when the refugees were running from, I mean, some of the same risks, mind you, uh, to European countries and how these people were treated, how Ethiopians were treated, Uh, just wanting to have the same chance at a life, you know, a better life or a life where they're not having to run from conflict, right? Open arms, girl, open arms. And then, to me, that's been compounded by the fact that Ukrainians um, and their treatment of black students, brown students, trying to flee some of those same risks uh, in Ukraine, not allowing them to get out, forcing them to walk for days, forcing them to wait in the cold with their children, you know, grad students with families uh, for days, not allowing them to cross over Uh, into certain borders, having guns pulled on them, having them being dragged from buses, telling them that there's going to be, you know, um, a caravan going from one city to the next. And, you know, you can get a ride to the border, but then being told to walk, you know, it's just the white supremacy and how even that doesn't relax during wartime and the fact that ukrainians not all ukrainians but a lot of the a lot of the students were reporting that uh ukrainians fleeing from these same risks were forcing them to go to the back of of lines and things of of that nature 
So William having the audacity at this time, after all of that, after we witnessed all of that, according to Richard Palmer, by the way, having the audacity to mention Africa and Asia being acceptable places for war, but not Europe because that's so shocking to all of us white folks. He said wars for coloreds, wars for you colored folk. <laughs> According to Richard Palmer, because that's what Richard Palmer reported, girl. And then it came out uh, later, the day, the day after, right, that... Oh, no, apparently I misheard. I, I misheard him say Africa and Asia. But he did say the other thing about war being alien to Europe, which, again, is bullshit because it ain't. Um, and then a so-called correction was made. Now, there's a lot to unpack here. And there was a lot of things that took place online um, before this whole entire story was said and done. The first thing that happened after Palmer put his story out there was that one of the first things I should say was that Nadine White, who is a columnist, a British black British columnist, uh, Nadine underscore writes on Twitter. She put up a tweet in response because what else is a person to do when they read something like this and shout out to her and to other black female journalists and writers who will not be bullied period, because her, her tweet is still up. Uh, she wrote, hashtag, in case you missed it, Prince William said, it's rather normal to see war and bloodshed in Africa and Asia, but not Europe. During a visit to the Ukrainian Cultural Center in London today, quote, it's very alien to see this in Europe. We are all behind you, he told the volunteers there. And then eventually it turns into a thread and then the thread just gets longer and longer and longer. But in the beginning of the thread, this is still before the correction is made. Uh, she says the comments come days before Prince William and Kate's tour of former colonies in the Caribbean where their ancestors. <laughs> I love <laughs> I love that. Like if you go to the tweet, it literally says that it's kind of like, girl, I'm not even I'm not even really going to get into it because these are colonialists these are co like literal colonizers making these comments go into one of the colonies because jamaica is still a part of the commonwealth but you know what i'm not even gonna waste my breath yes i don't i don't blame you girl but she continues to um in the thread just basically saying the daily mail is reporting this the pa is reporting this that's where it came from the pa uh and the Mirror, the Metro, and the Independent, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Say, I'm not making this up. I'm just quoting what was put out there. So that's for starters. But you know what happens next. Her tweets go viral. And as it stands today, her tweets have 22,000 likes, over 22,000 likes, and over 23,000 quote retweets. Uh, and an additional almost 9,000 regular retweets. So she's a verified person. So when that goes viral, other verifieds really jump on it. And we're talking about journalists from all over. It's already been discussed, the racial bias in the reporting of the Ukrainian war, as well as just how 
messed up that is. And and then you have the, the journalists who are also outraged by that. And your boy, your guy in, in, in the British press, right? Your guy who has um, said some of the worst things about your brother, probably at your behest, is the one who did it to you, Richard Palmer. So it goes viral for a good 14, 15, 16 hours. You know, there's this huge time difference. And then suddenly the next day it's, oops, I did a baddie. Oops, I misheard. You said the guy said those things. Your boy quoted you honestly and openly. But the next day, of course, it's I misheard and uh, here's a here's a video of the remarks and here's the correction. And I'm going to talk about the correction because I take issue with it. But how is it that any other time we have a clear video, any other time, you know, we're seeing their faces. This video is showing their backs. So we can't actually match the words that we're hearing with the mouth movements, uh, you know, because everybody want to be a body language expert and a lip reader until it's time to be a body language expert and lip reader. Girl, give us the actual evidence. Uh, this fuzzy clip from a, an engagement that happened the day before. Like we live in the digital age. Why are you giving us something that looked like it came out of the 70s? And then the video, according to the video that I saw, is like beginning mid-remarks. Richard Palmer is not somebody who's going to be in the back of the room. He writes too favorably about the people in the royal family. He's not going to be in the back of the room. So William is speaking to this group in this room. You think people are going to be talking when when he's speaking? No. So his voice also carries because he has a deep voice. If the man said Africa and Asia, then that's what he said. I'm sure the room was quiet when he was saying it. So no, Paul Olive, you did not mishear. You can say you did, but we don't have to believe you, girl. But we know you got to do what you got to do because those are the people who are paying your bills. Um, or at least, you know, being able to write about them uh, favorably gives you the access that allows you to pay your bills. There's no way he misheard that. And he wrote about it like he knows what he heard. Again, he said in the article, quote, he said Britons were more used to seeing conflict in Africa and Asia. But the problem comes when there's a viral moment happening on the other side of your words. And that viral moment is reflecting quite poorly on the people who keep food on your table um, that you have to go back on your own work, right? And now you look like a clown because you're writing a correction and, and trying to convince people that you misheard Africa and Asia. The following day, Richard Palmer takes to his Twitter and tweets the following. The Duke of Cambridge on war in Europe he doesn't appear to have compared it to conflicts in Africa and Asia. In the chaos, a remark he made was misheard, starting a social media storm. Apologies for reporting that online. The following day, Richard Palmer takes to his Twitter and tweets the following. The Duke of Cambridge on war in Europe. He doesn't appear to have compared it to conflicts in Africa and Asia. In the chaos, a remark he made was misheard starting a social media storm. Apologies for reporting that online. Now, isn't that convenient that you can now just say that what you reported was just 
quote unquote misheard. He goes on to say the problem was that the TV crew didn't hear that conversation and their colleagues didn't have time to check if they had it last night. As soon as they did today, we corrected the record. I was convinced I heard Africa and Asia mentioned, but I misheard. So first of all, you explaining way too much and you're explaining in a way that you know that you your tweets are on the record uh, as an explanation for why you printed what you printed. And that's your way of apologizing. That's what I believe. Uh, but you printed what you heard. You can say you misheard it, but I don't believe he did. And neither do many, uh, any of you, really, because the, the, the tweet is full of replies that say, but, you know, something just... Seems a little bit off. You know, where's the whole video? Uh, some even mocking him saying, um, here's your bone. Roll over like the good dog you are. Uh, and that that that's what he deserves because you didn't really do those types of things when it came to foul, foul and incorrect reporting on Harry and Meghan. At least not so adamantly as you seem to be about this whole Africa and Asia thing. And whether William said that part or not, which I happen to believe he did, because like I said, what kind of professional takes something to print without first verifying it, without first being sure that what you heard was what you heard, that what you what what you're printing was what was said. Um, but we know he, 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 he has done that before because make no mistake, Palmer is like many of the other royal reporters, um, quite sloppy with their job at times. So it is plausible. I just don't believe knowing what I know about Will, knowing that, you know, he went to parties, which I guess there were multiple, written in Richard, what's his name? What's that man's name? The one who wrote The Battle of the Brothers. I can't even think. Robert Lacey, uh, written in that book about, the parties they would go to. People love to talk about Harry in the Nazi uniform. But did you know that according to Robert Lacey, William suggested that outfit for Harry? Apparently, allegedly. And William was also at that party, which was, I can't remember the theme of it. Somebody drop it in the comments or let me know. But it was certainly um, quite racist and Will had his own outfit on. Many of the attendees were dressed as like, you know, in tribal wear imitating African uh, people. So we never saw a picture of William at that party, but somehow the picture of Harry is what was circulated all through England, right? So that's the game. That's the game. Don't say anything that is bad about the heir, even if he himself said those things that made him look bad. You cover for him. You wipe his ass. You clean up his mess so that you can retain your access. But about Richard Palmer being a sloppy journalist, um, he is indeed one. It came to a lot of people's knowledge, and a lot of us were reminded that in one of Megan's last engagements in England, uh, when she went to the Robert Clack School, and she brought up the little boy to make a speech about why, um, you know, women's rights is important, or, you know, International Women's Day is important. And the boy who said, because that was another viral moment, uh, she really is beautiful, isn't it? And that that was the thing that, you know, people in the royal family, I know I know quite a few royalists at least, 
were so agitated by because, you know, they wanted her to fail so bad, but the girl is just incapable. And the young people will let you know which one is their favorite, as they did. Um, but what people reported, and it wasn't just Richard Palmer. Richard Palmer was the press pool reporter, though, so he reported it first. And then everybody else just ran right along with it. Um, that Megan had kissed the boy. Like he walked on the stage and she kissed him on the cheek before he went to the mic, which that, that didn't happen. But here's how that played out. He put out his story saying that uh, she kissed the cheeky teen. Then all of the other reporters, uh, royal reporters said the same thing. And then, of course, the trolls on social media called Megan all kinds of names, saying that she's unprofessional, inappropriate. How dare she? He's a child. Uh, and then this was when Sussex Royal was still operating on Instagram. Then Sussex Royal actually had to. I don't even think they put any caption with the with the video. It was just the video just to show that that the royal reporters were just lying but they were letting the lie go through and go through. And it was only when that there was video evidence that debunked this claim that Megan kissed this kid. It was the video that Harry and Megan's team recorded from a different angle. But in the other videos, the ones that they were sharing, right? The folks who were saying that she did, you couldn't, you couldn't say that she did or didn't because the angle didn't allow you to see. And then Richard Palmer said, well, you know, the problem is sometimes when you're you're a pool reporter, you you know, you're not you don't get as close and you don't you don't report what you think you're seeing. Pretty much the same fucking word soup that he's saying in this case. And he, he retracted it. Right. And then, of course, all the other royal reporters did as well. I think I don't even really know. But here's the other crazy thing about this, too. To this day, to this day, trolls will still say that Megan kissed that teenager who went and um gave the little speech on the stage and she didn't but they will say that she did you know so i'm gonna go ahead and say that william him being somebody who attends parties racist parties where people are wearing blackface in his daddy's basement you know with somebody who goes to countries and and thinks it's appropriate to be carried about on chairs this day and age, I'm going to go ahead and say he probably did say something along the lines of war is supposed to happen in, 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 in Asia and Africa. Not that it's supposed to, but that Europeans are more used to it because you, you say that you are. Your, your journalists go on TV and say that you are used to that. And he also said that war, the idea of war in Europe is alien which in and of itself is false because it's not. And so then they printed a correction and that correction reads as follows. A previous version of this article incorrectly said that Prince William said seeing war in Europe was alien, unlike in Asia and Africa, based on the comments reported by a British wire service. Video remarks did not include the comparison to Africa and Asia. The article has been corrected, period. That doesn't mean he didn't say it. And that correction does not say that he did not say it. That just says that it's not in the video. This video that again begins in the middle of said remarks. Now, Palmer says that he thought he overheard it in a conversation and that he wasn't actually addressing the room. 
to be honest, we don't know and we, we may never know. But I believe the words Africa and Asia were said. That's what my belief is. I am nowhere near the room where any of the remarks were made. But I know enough about Will to say that that is quite plausible. But it, I, I'm so disgusted with the correction because it's like it's sidestepping things. It doesn't rule anything out. It's just saying the article was corrected. Well, of course it was corrected because you were told to fucking correct it. So, I mean, that's the invisible contract at work. That that right there is an example that everybody got to see. And what I also love is the fact that that clip of Harry and Meghan talking about that invisible contract and how it plays with members of the royal family, how it works. And how scared they are of the tabloids turning on them. Turning on them for what? They're the royal family. Yes, but it's, um, there is this invisible, what's, what's, what's termed or referred to as the invisible contracts behind closed doors uh, between the institution and the tabloids, UK tabloids. How so? Well, it is a, to simplify it, it's a, it's, a, it's a case of if you, if you as a family member are willing to wine, dine, and give full access to these reporters, uh, then you will get better press. We got to see it in real time. Now, it's no surprise that after the correction was made, well, what do you know? The woman who originally tweeted about it, whose tweet went viral, whose tweet is still there, was now on the receiving end of the so-called backlash from the royalist types. All she did was tweet what was reported. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's the way that they pivot and deflect and do what they do best, which is to blame people of color. They threw Omid into it because Omid, as, as a journalist, as a reporter, he reported on the same way as the other blue checks did. Uh, they did the same to uh, Bernice King, who was Dr. King's daughter, uh, who also tweeted about the fact that William doesn't seem to know European history all that fucking well. Uh, and even just saying the fact that a, a war is alien to Europeans, that's kind of racist in and of itself because it does imply at the very least that as far as Europeans see war, war should be fought in other places. War shouldn't be fought at all. It's these people trying to sidestep what they really mean in order to promote this idea that war does not belong in European countries. It belongs in the neighborhoods, the cities, and the countries of people of color. It's all the same conversation. So these journalists are calling him on it. And then the backlash is on those journalists <laughs> of color uh, and trying to throw Jake Tapper in there because Jake Tapper, let me tell you about Jake Tapper. By the time he ready to tweet you, he going to read you. He going to read you up and down. Now, of course, as journalists do, by the time the correction was made, whether it was a bull, bullshit co correction or not, which I believe is a bullshit correction, um, they deleted their tweets. They said, well, a correction was made. So even just professionally, they would be obligated to delete their tweet. At least that they feel. Um but I love the fact that they still came back and said, well, you still said that it was alien to Europe and it's not. That's ill-informed. But it's just the way that their natural reaction was to 
turn against and blame black and brown folks on Twitter um, in the field to turn and, and say that, well, you know, this is a thing of your making. No, no, it was Will and it was Richard Palmer's making. All right, so blame the white men because they're the ones who are responsible. Like, uh, and also Dr. Shola too. Uh, people love to come at her all kinds of ways. It doesn't make it less disgusting that the default move, if you will, is to bash women of color and professionals and journalists of color. So uh, that didn't change the fact that the average person spending a couple minutes on Twitter got to see that hashtag Prince William is a racist uh, was trending for a good part of the day, probably more than a day in some places and that's what the good girl deserves that's what she deserves that's what she deserves because how many lies how many falsehoods how many outright hit jobs were done on Megan you know how many lies traveled around the world before Megan had the chance to actually correct them lies such as Megan made Kate cry I think that one went on for three years but what I love about this is you know let's just say that William didn't say the whole thing about Africa and Asia. Well, to the average person who doesn't give a fuck, he did. Because they have gone on about their day. And the five minutes they spent on Twitter, they saw a whole bunch of tweets about Prince William being a racist. I love that for him. I love it for him. Because we don't know that he's not. Just like they said, well, we don't know that he that she didn't kiss the boy. We don't know. See, because it doesn't feel good. It is irresponsible. And it is actually wrong if a lie is being told about you or a lie or a falsehood is being circulated about you. But see, you never kept that same energy for your black sister-in-law, now did you? You didn't. So why are you expecting people to keep that same energy for you? If hashtag Prince William is a racist is trending on Twitter, then me, the layperson who doesn't spend any more than you know, 10 minutes a month on this app. If I see that and then I, I explore the hashtag and I see that you said something or at least is being reported that you said something about Asia and Africa being good places for war, but not over here in these European countries, then I have no choice to believe that, yes, Prince William is a racist because that is pretty racist to say. And suddenly, and rightly so, people then began to say, well, wait a minute. Didn't they say somebody in their family said something about a baby's skin color? And that's where Archie's name began to trend. And again, rightly so. Because they said somebody said it, even if they didn't name a name. And if you recall, the day after the Oprah interview, Will was the first person to go on record denying uh, any allegations of racism or I believe he said we are very much not a racist family who fucking says that anyway because I'm gonna tell you like this history shows that the people who are most eager to hide any idea that they are racist are the quickest to deny it you know Donald Trump loves to talk about how he has so many black friends you know and um you know, how he's the least racist guy. There's not a racist bone in my body. We have heard it all before. See, but William is someone who has said things like, William was the one after the 
Oprah interview who was rushing to show us that he had a good black friend. Some person he's hugged up with that he slept rough with. People who actually have black friends don't do that. They don't do that. <laughs> so that that's a giveaway. Uh, and Kensington Palace has yet to release the data on the racial makeup of their household, like the people who actually work for them. So don't don't tell us you're not racist when everything points to the fact that you you might be. And you might be the racist who was most concerned about your black sister-in-law's child and what that child would look like and to quote Megan and what that would mean for the royal family. Hmm. Well, we all know who uh, we think it was, even though we may never know. I don't even think Harry's going to address it in the memoir. He ain't got to. He never has to say another thing about it because our minds have already been made up. I mean, so many things were circulating that William had said previously that were pretty goddamn racist. For example, him, someone who has three children, has said on more than one occasion that the human population growth in Africa is harming wildlife. He said it recently promoting the Earthshot Prize, and he said it a couple of years ago. So, I mean, you tell me. You tell me. He he don't have to have said Asia and Africa. He has said it all before. Said it all before. We, we, we done heard. But your lies ain't working now. Now look who's hurting now. We done heard it, girl. We done heard it. This is what he deserves. This is what, this is what karma looks like to be honest. Harry and Meghan ain't got to do nothing. They ain't got to say nothing. Harry ain't got to do nothing but throw on his orange and promote the Invictus Games. They can go on about collecting awards and volunteering and donating and just minding their own business in California. And the uglies in the palace and the press will continue to reap what they sow. And they have sown so many bad seeds. Oh, honey, but they still come in and you will harvest what you planted. I don't care how the, the press tries to clean up after you. And the more they do that, the more people see through it. So what else is going on? Let's talk about Harry and his ability to carry on with his life. Listen, Harry said, listen, I don't know what y'all got going on over there. And I see you being dragged, sis, but truly, that ain't none of my business. I'm an American now. I have the Invictus Games coming up. So why don't I just put my energy into that? Which he did. <laughs> Child Harry, Harry didn't moved on with his life, honey. He done went to the Super Bowl. He done won an NAACP award. He didn't gave an NAACP award to uh, Sophia Noble, as we spoke about on the last episode. I mean, just moving right along. And he's made this really awesome video with, I think they were athletes from the Netherlands uh, that are going to be participating in the Invictus Games, which is actually the 2020 Invictus Games that are held this year, thanks to the pandemic. Um, being held in the Hague, it is finally 
about to be underway. They are getting the facilities ready. And in this promotional video, we saw Harry trying to speak a little Dutch, trying to do it like the Dutch do. Uh, what a cute video. But I thought also it was very professionally done. It might not have been, but two or three minutes. But you can tell that their promotional material, they're being put out and created by folks who know what they're doing. It didn't even matter that it was like all virtual. But I thought that that was brilliant, too, because it kind of shows us as we're moving out of the virtual environment back back into the physical environment of being around each other. Um, but that distance doesn't necessarily have to be the obstacle that it was. But, yeah, I mean, like the, the whole entire thing was just really professionally done. And clearly, whoever, you know, even just from the editing, from like the ideas of Harry popping up in the orange and the you know, all of it, the writing. I mean, it just further shows the difference between Harry and Meghan and the rest of the folks in the royal family. Now, Harry and Meghan have recently provided a blueprint for them. So, you know, you better believe that it will be copied. Maybe not that exactly, but everything that Harry and Meghan have done on their own since they've been over here, uh, some iteration of it has popped up uh, in the royal family and their promotional uh, materials. But uh, good on Harry. Good on Harry for focusing on what matters, which is his work. You know, I, I saw a couple of people um, talking about how, I don't know why Twitter is doing this, but they showed me Deranger's tweets and they, they categorize it under royal family. So now I have to just exit out and say, don't show me this shit again. But I saw some people saying, you know, Shouldn't he be thankful and grateful that Will and Kate made a grant to the Invictus Games? Like, first of all, the Royal Foundation was Harry's idea. It was Harry's idea. At, I mean, at, at the very least, it was a collaboration between Harry and Will, right? But we know that Hez Together was largely Harry's idea. Really, the, the steam and the engine behind the Royal Foundation before it split up into what Harry and Meghan were, were going to have, which was the Sussex Foundation, um, much of that energy was, was Harry's. And the Invictus Games being in that umbrella was a huge part of it. These people are truly deranged. Like Martin used to say, crazy, deranged. I mean, just the energy that Harry has put into Invictus Games over the last couple of years, really from start until now, um, it says a lot about what the Invictus Games means to him and, and what the purpose of the Invictus Foundation means to him. So, um, girl, he don't owe nobody nothing. They owe him, actually, for giving them relevance for all that time before he decided to move to America. And so, um, but well done. I mean, I can't wait. I can't believe it's like just a month away. Um, and I was also curious about when the Heart of Invictus was going to come out. They never really did give us a date, but I believe they did say 2022. And so some people are thinking that it will come out after the Invictus Games. So that, because you know, there is another one happen next year. That one's going to be in Dusseldorf. Um, so that we can record the 
Invictus Games this year and follow the athletes between this year and next year. That's what some people think. I was hoping that it would come out before the Invictus Games and then we could identify some of those athletes during the actual games um, because we got to know them on Netflix. But we'll see how it all works out. I'm sure it's going to be as as ever professionally done because that's what that's what they do. Um, and just very well done in general. Uh, and, you know, that's the one thing about those types of documentaries. We saw a little bit of it with, um, I can't remember the name of it, but I believe it was like Rising Phoenix or Phoenix Rising. Um, and just how great that documentary was uh, about the, the Paralympics and um, para, you know, para-athletes, is that the para-athletes? Um, and just their journey of even just trying to participate in the games and Harry and how he played a part in just trying to get people to actually be interested in it. You know, it's not the Olympics, but these athletes fight just as hard, you know, and a lot of them have fought through, when you talk about like the Invictus games, a lot of these people have fought through demons in addition to, let's say some of them that may have had to go through an amputation or, I mean, these are these are warriors, so I can't wait for the Invictus Games to kick off. I know you guys will be live tweeting and everything with me, so um, that's one thing that Harry did. Another thing that Harry did this week was let us know that uh, he is not coming to Phillips Memorial Thanksgiving service. Uh, it is a no for him, and by default, a no for his children. <laughs> See, like, that's what this has turned into. Harry's resident, like, his his living in the United States and being in the United States and being visible because he didn't crawl under a rock like y'all wanted them to do after he left England. You can still see him. You just can't see him over there because he didn't already told y'all we not coming back unless and until the security for my family is in place and up to a standard that I find acceptable because we don't feel safe here. And what this has actually turned into is, and not the security issues, because I mean, listen, that's, that's binary. It's either in place and we coming or is not in place and we not coming. But since Harry's been in America, so much of the energy from the British press and from royalists as it relates to Harry and Meghan actually, but definitely Harry has been looking at all the different events on the royal calendar and hoping that Harry comes. And then when he doesn't come shaming him because he he didn't come or when he does come bashing him because he didn't stay long enough like the Diana statue unveiling. Harry stayed for 15 minutes and he had dipped. He left. He went back to Frogmore Cottage and the next day he was in L.A. And that ain't no short flight. <laughs> that is not a short flight. But Harry said, I don't, this, this is not my bag. I don't live here anymore. My family is over there. So that's where I'm going to go. That's where I'm going to be. That's where I'm going to be at. You feel me? Like we could have been here, but it didn't work out. Right. Um, and so this Thanksgiving service, which, by the way, why? Why? 
He dead. He dead. Let the man die. Like, let the man rest in peace. Can you do that? Like, why are you having another service? And I, I feel like they, I mean, I don't even know. I don't even really care enough to know. But it's something that they're doing. And somehow they think that Harry is, like, it's a given, you know. Camilla Tomini went on somebody's show talking about, oh, yeah, of course he's going to be there. He's going to be Megan might not be there, but Harry, most definitely. Harry said, girl, bye. Enjoy, love, but I'm not going to be there. Um, got things to do. And it's like Royal Reporters had a fit, a fit. Because in the days before that was announced, um, oh, by the way, he did say that he wants to see the queen as soon as he is able, but he's not going to that service, right? But in the days before that was announced, we saw Harry at the rodeo, you know, in Fort Worth, Texas, with his Indiana Jones hat, one quite a cowboy hat, but it was Indiana Jones hat. He was looking, woo, magnifique, you feel me, um, looking great. You know, so Harry's like, you know, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to get as much of this American life as I can. You know, this is what interests me. And I don't know why he was there. I guess it'll be revealed at some point, but uh, maybe he, maybe he just wanted to always do that girl. I don't know, but I'm glad that he's able to. Uh, And so Royal reporters are like, well, you can go to the rodeo, but you can't come to your granddaddy memorial service. No, I can't. I can't. Just like I'm not coming to the Commonwealth service in which the queen is not even going to that. Um, so I mean, uh, maybe it's something there, you know, I don't know, but Harry said, I'm not coming to that, but I would like to see my grandma as soon as possible. You know, she ain't going to the Commonwealth service. And, you know, I saw something the other day that says she might not even go to the Thanksgiving service for Philip's life. Uh, so maybe there's a reason he wants to see his grandma, but he don't want to see the rest of you hoes. You know, we don't know, but there's something there. There's something there, but I'm going to wait it out. But I just find it so funny that the Royal reporters were so hungry to see Harry. Like they just assumed that he would be there. I think they've given up on seeing Megan, to be honest, except for if something major happens like the queen's passing, but because she will be there for that. But um, they are in utter disbelief that Harry is not going to come for that. And now they better start, if they got any sense, they better start questioning whether Harry is actually going to be there for the Jubilee. To be honest, they better start questioning whether anybody is going to be there for the Jubilee. Because um, Mama is fading fast, it seems like. She's old. She's like 95. But even if she is there, do you think that she would make it? Because, you know, there are, and again, that's not for me to speculate, but there are reports that she is against being in a wheelchair. So what does that mean? Can she stand on her own? We saw she has a cane. But I I think it's, I have enough, uh, information to believe that Harry doesn't believe she has a whole lot of time left and really does anybody um just because if if she's missing this and missing that and 
you know, the headlines are getting a little bit more dire as they go, but they're trying to say, oh, but she's strong and she's carrying on with her audiences, but she ain't seen in public. One has to wonder. But I love the fact that Harry is like, listen, I said what I said. I shed what I shed. I'm not coming if my family is not safe. And he's not, he's not, he's going to go to Germany. You know, Dusseldorf, he's going to go to the Hague, the Invictus. He can go to the Super Bowl. He can go to the rodeo. But he ain't going to the UK. And that's a shame. You know, really, when you think about it, that's a shame. Because that's his home country. If he feels safe anywhere, it should be there. But his home country is saying, no, we're punishing you. We don't want you to feel safe here. His family, like I said before, his family is doing nothing. They won't even do the the bare minimum to make sure he's safe because they don't want him to feel safe. They don't want him to feel safe. They don't want his wife and family to feel safe. So they won't be there. So what the fuck are you even surprised about? I mean, Chris Ship, Rebecca English, Piers Morgan, Rat Eden, all of them are writing Oh, Harry can go to the rodeo. He can go to the Super Bowl, but he can't come to his grandfather's service. Yeah, girl, we know he pays your bills. We know you were looking forward to seeing him and and being able to write articles and get clicks because people were interested. People were so interested in seeing Harry. And that, again, just goes to show you that Harry was the one keeping the whole thing moving. He was the one keeping it moving before Megan. And he's apparently the one keeping the whole thing moving after Megan. Because if the queen won't be there, then certainly Harry not being there means that nobody is interested. Nobody is interested. Now, the people told the BBC, the people told the news channels, we don't want to see Philip coverage day in and day out. The guy's dead. We're done. Give us our shows. Um... I don't know that they would be that interested in a service a year later unless a high profile person of interest from the royal family was there, whether it's the queen or Harry. And it looks like neither of them will be there. So, of course, the royal reporters are mad. Good. But that's that invisible contract at work. They don't say anything favorable about Harry, even though he's doing the honorable thing, making sure his family is safe. Because he would be there. I mean, I have no doubt that if the security issue was worked out, Harry would be there. Whether we wanted him to be there or not, he would be there. Um, maybe maybe not, though. I don't know, because he might just truly be done with all of them. Um, but there's a chance that he would be there. We can assume that Megan definitely would not have been there. Because <laughs> Megan is like, listen, these are... Yo, people, my mama is my people. So you go handle them. Me and my kids going to be right over here. But I thought it was noteworthy, again, that Harry said that he would like to see his grandmother as soon as possible. Now, I tweeted about this, and it is my opinion that, of course, Harry wants to see his grandmother as soon as possible because she's old. She's aging. She just had coronavirus. Um, you know, he hasn't seen her maybe except maybe once after Philip died. 
uh, when he was there for the Diana thing. But we don't know that he did get to see her then even. Um, but he wants to be able to see her. But I think the next time he sees the queen, assuming that, you know, it is while she's alive and well, or while she's alive, um, he wants to be able to have his children with him. He wants to be able to have his daughter, right, meet her. She is, after all, named after the queen. Um, not only because it's important to him, because I believe that it, that is a, incredibly important to both Harry and Meghan, that their children be able to, because Archie is now at the age where his memories are forming. Um, and even though Lilibet, you know, let's say if Lilibet met her within the next 12 months, Lilibet probably wouldn't remember it. But just to still be able to have, you know what I mean, that happen. I can see how that would be incredibly important to Megan and to Harry. But also, were that to happen, that would remove any opportunity for critics to say Harry didn't even bother to introduce his daughter to the queen that he named her after. That takes those types of comments out of the potential conversation uh, whenever D-Day arrives. But I respect the fact that Harry, even though he probably wants that more than anybody, he's still not willing to put his family's security at risk in order for that to happen. Whatever happens, happens. But he's going on record to say, yes, I would like to see my grandmother. I want to see my grandmother as soon as possible, in fact. But I'm not I'm not coming if my family is not safe. And I don't know who would expect him I'm to do that. You, you know what I mean? Kill me. Kill um, me. Other than people who would like to see harm come to them anyway. And we know they're out there. Um... I respect Harry. I, I honestly respect him more when I think about it because he's not willing to put them in danger. And that's what a man does. And Harry is just carrying on about his business. And that's what I love most in all of this. Harry and Meghan just keeps on living, doing what they do, whether it's just continuing to develop the projects that they have, uh, making appearances here and there, uh, doing virtual engagements, making announcements, donating uh, money and or supplies to organizations and to charities, just doing whatever they do or not being heard from <laughs> for like a month to two months and just being silent while all of this nonsense is playing out with the ratchet royals overseas. They don't have to do or say anything because they are private citizens living their lives. While the royals just continue to make fools of themselves and the journalists, well, I wouldn't call them journalists, the royal reporters that they have this invisible contract with continue to help them make fools of themselves. And then anytime that those same people try to talk about Harry and Meghan, they look bitter. They look bitter to more than more than just Sussex Squad. They look bitter to the average person looking on because they are bitter. Harry and Meghan don't have to do anything but to continue to thrive. When they talked about, you know, living and thriving, not just surviving, this is what it is. And the royals, oh boy, they're drowning. 
they're trying to make it look easy. They're trying to make it look like they got it under control. They are afraid. They are so afraid of the queen finally going on wherever she going to go. Going up yonder, down yonder. It don't matter. Because when she is not there, they're going to have a hard time convincing increasing numbers of people that they should be there. That they should be able to take helicopter rides to the tune of $1 million per year. That they should be able to, you know, I don't know, fund pedophiles if they felt like it, like they're currently doing, with, with nobody asking a question about it or questioning where the money comes from. It's going to be pretty hard to convince people who can barely even get gas for their vehicles or petrol, as y'all call it over there, to continue to subsidize royals that nobody can come up with a good reason as to why they're even still there, you know? So I don't know. You can't say, I mean, you can't say too much about Harry. Harry's out there getting it. He might be a millionaire. You know, he might be making money hand over fist, but at least it's his. Will, Kate, you know, Ford Fiesta, Edward, Camilla, Charles, y'all paying for that. You know, so Harry and Megan, it's official, girl. You won. Y'all won. Y'all won. And there's a lot of people who hate that. And that goes back to the security. I don't blame you for not wanting to come until you feel safe. Because there's a lot of folks that hate the fact that you won. But you did it. You did it. And we are all here for it. And you know what? That is pretty much all I have for today's episode. Please make sure to subscribe wherever you listen. And of course, thank you so much for your time, for listening. Make sure to hit me up on all of the places. Twitter, at Megan Mood. On Instagram, at Sussexet. On TikTok, Sussex Mood. And of course, on Patreon, patreon.com slash Sussexet. If you're listening on iTunes, please leave your girl a review. Much appreciated. And if you're listening on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe and leave a few comments. Let me know what you think about this episode. Don't forget, and this is really important, don't forget to support all of the other Pro Sussex platforms on this and other platforms because our voices matter. Our voices matter. People love to co-opt and recreate what we do, but you best believe they heard it from one of us first, whether it's us, whether it's me, Tina, Michelle, you know, Ivy Barrow, Miss V, Megan and Kelly on their channel, Megan's World, Royal Sussex. We out here and support them all because we out here. People co-opt what they hear from a black woman and don't give credit. So please find time to support all of those platforms if you can and just know that we appreciate it. And so take care, guys. I love you. And until next time, peace. I'm a bad bitch. You can't kill me. Kill me.